Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, Santa, you could win in APCO's Cash for Chrissy competition. That's right, APCO Joe. There's 1K to brighten your day. And 1K to give away to a mate for Christmas. APCO's Cash for Chrissy on now at APCO. <laughs> The Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEM. Welcome along to the Sporting Capital. Now, I hate to say it, or more pertinently, I'd like to say it. I think a minnow is going to take another big scalp here in the ICC Men's T20 World Cup. The West Indies need 72 off the last 30 deliveries with only two wickets in hand if they're going to beat Scotland here. So Scotland, of all teams, are in the box seat to prevail over the West Indies after the Bibia smashed Sri Lanka last night. This is one of the great things about any type of World Cup in any format. The Middows taking them on. I mean, we saw John Davidson score a century for Canada against the West Indies back in 2003 and now the Windies are going to get done by Scotland here in 2022 in the T20 format. You go back to Ireland defeating Pakistan in the 50-over format in 07. They had a win over England as well. Zimbabwe, if you want to go back even further against Australia, won a World Cup game in the 50-over format back in 1983. So there's been certainly plenty of upsets in the past. It's, there's been a couple already in the T20 World Cup. The Windies, 8 for 88, needs 73 off 31 deliveries down in Hobart if they're going to beat Scotland, who registered 5 for 160 off their 20 overs. So what a start it's been to the Men's T20 World Cup. George Munsey scored an unbeaten 66 off 53 deliveries at the top of the order for Scotland. He really anchored the innings with nine boundaries. And as far as the Windies bowlers were concerned, Alzari Joseph with a couple of wickets. Jason Holder took two for 14. But this is an embarrassment from the West Indies' point of view. Kyle Mayers was their only real contributor on the scoreboard with 20. Jason Holder's at the crease now trying to salvage something from the wreckage. 13 off 18 deliveries. Odeon Smith, four off five, is also at the crease. For Scotland, the wicket takers have been pretty spread. Mark Watt with two for eight. Brad Wheel, two for 20. Michael Leask, two for 15. And Josh Davey, one for 23. So there could very well be another upset as far as the Men's T20 World Cup is concerned in the cricket. There's plenty of other sport going around as well, not just cricket at the present time. Certainly a lot of NBL action to look forward to as well and just in regards to the NBL this week there's going to be a lot of big fixtures but tonight the Illawarra Hawks host the New Zealand Breakers to round off the round of basketball in the NBL a lot happening overseas as well the match between Zimbabwe and Ireland is next cab off the rank of course you can tune in to the men's T20 World Cup action on the SEN app or via SEN Fanatics so a lot of ways to really access your cricketing fix and off the SMS, Anonymous here. Will you miss Hutto on SEN? Absolutely, I will there, Anonymous. Uh, great caller. 
and I'm sure he will continue on for a long, long time to come on TV. So, yeah, great contributor to SEN over the past almost 20 years. We'll take a break. Laurie Haresh to join us on the other side of this to wrap up the NFL action over the last 24 hours. The New York team's in good form, the Giants and the Jets, which has been interesting. That's next on the Sporting Capital. Hope you're enjoying the program thus far. Welcome back. You're listening to SEN on this Monday night. Damian Watson here with you. You know the drill. If you want to text in 0433981116. Well, there's been a plethora of great NFL action, particularly over the last 24 hours. I must admit I woke up early to really prepare myself for the Bills v Chiefs game, and it was an enticing match right up until the end. Joining us to review all of the action over the last 24 or so hours is Laurie Haresh from ESPN. How are you, Laurie? Doing well, a little tired at this time of the day, but that you know comes with the breaks of uh, getting up early to watch football before dawn. That's right. That's I guess the perils of being an Australian following sports <laughs> from the northern hemisphere. We know certainly your pain. Don't worry about that. We'll start off with that Bills v Chiefs game. The Bills prevailing twenty four to twenty. It was an engrossing matchup for the duration of the game. Ultimately, Josh Allen threw for three hundred and twenty nine yards and three touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes had one last chance to really rally the Chiefs in the final minute, but there was an incomplete pass, and therefore that really signalled the result where the Bills prevailed. What did you make of the encounter? And I suppose, did the Chiefs lose any admirers at all, given the nature of the match? I don't know that they lose admirers. I think this is just a heavyweight throwdown between two teams that expect to feature deep into the AFC playoff picture later this season. And down the stretch, the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen executed better. They, they, they had a, a the advantage of Josh Allen in how he solves problems, not just with his arms, but with his legs. And not that Patrick Mahomes isn't, isn't mobile himself. Um, but Josh Allen being the rusher that he is, we saw that come to the fold in that final, the final go-ahead, you know, ultimately game-winning drive. Um, it's not just his work from the pocket, which is sensational. He's been on an upward trajectory since his early stages in the NFL, and he is so talented with that right arm. But any time you've got your six foot five, 108-kilo quarterback galloping down the sideline and literally hurdling players, um, it does add an extra element to what you can solve. I really liked the way that this was early on. This was not points... Um, you know, this was a scoreless first quarter. We had 20 points at the half. Um, this was tense. This was a tactical battle. Both defenses, which I think each one is improved from what we saw in uh, in last season's effort. I think they're both better units. And I, I think we saw really challenging um, hurdles and game plans for the both offenses to have to overcome. I think um, Patrick Mahomes will, would love to have that intercept back. That late game pick, uh, Teron Johnson turning the ball over there um, and really sealing that one. He just didn't see uh, the extra DB coming in. And, they, you know, the the Buffalo Bills, they're still without some of their star talent. They've lost some and they're waiting on, on, on guys like Tredavious White to get back and get into full flight um, in the secondary there. But their improved pass rush up front, I think they're a more aggressive defense than we saw last year. Uh, and it's just a really an interesting way that they can throw different looks at a team. Um, and in this case, they really did drop heavy bodies into coverage and start to take away um, some of those chunk gains for the Patrick Mahomes. I mean, look, he still had 338 yards on the day, but he does turn the ball over a couple of times. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster had a big outing in, in you know, Chiefs colours for his biggest one yet. Um, bouncing off tacklers, barreling for yards after the catch, and Travis Kelsey... Instead of going for 3.6 yards a catch, whatever it was last week, back to his usual uh, prolific centurion of the day. But I, what, the, the, the digs connection that, that Josh Allen boasts, um, his decision-making has continued to improve. Uh, Gabe Davis looks healthy again, is making outstanding catches at different levels of the field. And just that, that poise and that delivery on that final touchdown pass to, to Dawson Knox, 
It was beautiful. It was it was patience in the pocket. It was good vision, and it was delivering a ball. Yeah, it's the the ridiculous arm talent that Josh Allen has, but putting it in a place where only his man um, can get to it, allowing him to come forward and attack from the rear of the end zone uh, to move forward and Knox completing the the play there. So I think. You know, uh, not the worst rushing day from the Buffalo Bills as well. They did have some success on the ground. They're not known for a power running game or a strong running game, but mm. Devin Singletary, you know, five yards a carry. And for the Chiefs, I think that their own offensive line needs to get back to setting the tone a little bit more and laying the platform just a touch more for Patrick Mahomes so it's not just on him because you look at their top right, you know, Isaiah Pacheco delivering very little on the ground. Clyde Edwards-Lair, Clyde Edwards-Lair had a couple of decent rushes, but he's still going for under four yards a pop. Uh, and Jerry McKinnon not offering much as well. So a, a more balanced swing, I guess, is the word when we look at the Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs. Just a few tweaks that need to be made when hopefully we get to see these two teams do it again later this year. Now, Laurie, I wanted to ask you about Tom Brady and the absolute shellacking he gave his offensive line. I'm not sure if you saw the footage of that. They obviously mm-hmm. took on the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Steelers managed to prevail just. They ran out the clock to avoid their first 1-5 start in over 30 years. But you've got to admire, I guess, the passion that Tom Brady has, even if maybe, according to some, he comes across as a bit aggressive. But I suppose you've got to be if you're going to be successful. Yeah, you do, and you do admire the passion, but this is the type of conduct on sidelines that we've seen players that don't have, you know, seven Super Bowl rings chastised for. Um, you know, Tom Brady's clearly upset there. This is not the best offensive line he's had in his time in Tampa Bay. They suffered injuries at the start of the season, and some of those aren't coming back. Some of those are not those, those realities of what Brady is dealing with on offense in front of him in regards to his protection. It will not get a lot better sooner in terms of an injection of talent. Now, um, is he understandably frustrated? Sure. It's not nice when you can't, especially he's not a quarterback that's going to solve a lot of problems with his legs. He needs to do it with his arm and his mental acumen and his um, grace under pressure. And obviously this wasn't the most graceful moment for Tom Brady. But this is a team in the Buccaneers that do have holes. You know, they're sitting there now, you know, sitting there with a 500 record. They've not been consistently prolific and it hasn't looked as easily as explosive as perhaps in previous times. They are getting healthier in the... Uh, in the receiving core, it wasn't Mike Evans' biggest day, but you see Chris Godwin has made his way back and is getting productive. Yeah. Um, they, they have had some kind of ins and outs of the tight end position. The, the familiarity of Rob Gronkowski, not just as a pass catcher, but what he does as a run block, that's not there right now. Um, we'll see if there's a comeback coming. But you have to ask at this point with Tom Brady, and we don't need to dive into any of the off-the-field stuff and the, the noise surrounding his personal life, but... Had he stayed retired, we were having a conversation that, you know what, age never really did get to Tom Brady. He finished as one of the best. Some people thought he was the best quarterback in the game last year. I thought he was certainly one mm. of the best couple quarterbacks in the NFL last year. And he would walk out saying, no, you didn't leave with a Super Bowl, but you did win a Super Bowl in your second stop in, in Tampa Bay. Your, the decoration of your career is unrivaled. And the last time we saw you on the field, you were still singing it with the best of them. This Does this start to feel like one season too many? Not because it's all on him, but just because of how the team is constructed around him, particularly on offense. The defense is sound, um, even if they do give up a couple of touchdowns to the Steelers. But the holes on that team are not making for the kind of almost consistent offensive locomotive that we expect from Tom Brady when he's surrounded by some of the skill position talent that he is in Tampa Bay. Talking NFL with Laurie Haresh from ESPN. The Philadelphia Eagles, they're going very, very well. They defeated the Dallas Cowboys 26-17. to There may have been a bit of a fade-out after halftime. The Eagles certainly came out of the blocks very, very well. How do you see the Eagles potentially running out this season? Do you think they can maintain this form right throughout? I think they 
will continue to play the brand of football that they are. Whether that's enough to go all the way to a Super Bowl, whether that's enough to take mm. out an NFC, we'll, we'll wait to see because I think there's times today, as you mentioned, dominant start from the Eagles. Physical on defense, physical on offense, especially that offensive line. Shout out to Australia's own Jordan Mailata. Opening, yes. opening room in the run game early. Um, but, but, and they get out, they do a jump out to that start, and the defense is playing fantastic complimentary football, making Cooper Brush look far more like the backup that he really is and not the mistake-free player that, you know, the stat line said he had been over the past month, even if some of his throws started to creep into the, mm, are you trying to give it away uh, territory? So really dominant first half. Cowboys come out in the second half with a really good game plan on both sides. You start to get to see these uh, muddled up kind of disguised looks and bl- some blitzes, some simulated pressures. Uh, from Dan Quinn and that nasty defensive front. They get some stops. Um, Philadelphia are unable to get much going early on offense. And on on, uh, on the Cowboys side of things, they start to move the pocket, heavy play action, get some big bodies, some of those young tight ends in Dallas out in open terrain, get them the ball and see what they can do after the catch. Big targets for Cooper Rush. A changing of the guard there. Then what do the Philadelphia Eagles do? Instead of leaving... Um, Jalen Hurts standing back there in the pocket where he is not his most productive. They get back to that run game. They have a heavy, heavy, and like 13 rushes in a row style, heavy drive, move the ball downfield. It's gone. The Cowboys have dragged it back to three points. The margin, 17 to 20. They get back out uh, to that kind of two-score lead with a big touchdown drive there. And I think what will be interesting with the Eagles, you ask, can they carry it on? I, I leave this game feeling pretty similarly about both teams. We know who the Eagles are. They play this. They like to get out to a lead. They're physical. They present that dual threat with, with Jalen Hurts and those those run pass option play where you really put the defense in a bind. And we saw Micah Parsons dealt with uh, with those quite effectively today um, in terms of the plan the Eagles had was a very good one against Micah in those situations. And the Cowboys are a tough, good defensive team that will make solid adjustments. They're, they're, they're a far more tough-nosed version of the Cowboys than we've seen in previous years. And they'll get Dak Prescott back likely next week. So the big learnings... I think these teams showed us really what their strengths are and where some of the holes are. But for the Eagles, what happens over the next month when some of the defenses, they don't have a particularly tough schedule, but what happens when some of these defenses continue to tinker and adapt and trial different ways to combat some of those um, really lynch, really, really linchpin plays, really crucial core stuff that the Eagles run? That is Jalen Hurts holding the ball, holding the ball, holding the ball, making a read on what the defensive line is doing, then pulling it, keeping it himself, or letting the running back go. Teams will start to adapt to those. Teams will start to combat those. So what does he do? He's got plenty of talent around him and a good offensive line, especially when healthy. What will they do uh, once the, their opposition starts to offer a little more savvy uh, savvy response to them? What do we see from Jalen Hurts? Is he truly going to take another step as a passer? Because I don't think... as, as solid as they were, as his decision-making on some of those scenarios was sound today. He was left in the pocket. He didn't exactly test the Cowboys through the air. I don't think he come away from that going, game going, mm, yeah, he's really taken a massive step as a pocket passer. Does he need to? I still think you're going to need to do that dueling your way through the playoffs, uh, but it'll just be interesting to see how this season matures in terms of what the Eagles face and how they choose to overcome some of the new wrinkles that defences present them. Uh, Laurie, I guess the other informed team at the moment in the NFL that comes to mind for me is the New York Giants. They've been pretty good. They've been <laughs> tested, it must be said, and I still think their offense could be a lot more explosive than they actually are. They had to come from behind, but the main thing is they managed to find a way to win. Do you think there are ways they can really tinker with their offense, though, to make them a little bit more explosive? 
Look, I think you're going to see continual improvement from the offensive line, um, which is that they've invested there. Seen Andrew Thomas really mature into a, t- a high-end left tackle there. They hope to get similar returns from some of the other investments. Saquon Barkley, you just pray for health with him because um, the longer he is out there, the more opportunities he gets. It really is a joy to see him back in, in close to full flight. How does the offense get better? I think you're building Daniel Jones's confidence. I think Brian Dayball and the staff there do a really good job setting up some layup throws, some some schemed you know results for him where look, not every pass, and this doesn't just go for Daniel Jones, any quarterback in the league, not every pass needs to be standing there like a statue in the middle of the pocket going from read one to two to three to four, deciphering 90 different things while pass rush is coming down and you're making a precision throw. You should move the pocket. You should use you know feints and misdirections and ball action and and all sorts of things to really set the table better for your quarterback. As they continue to do that, and Daniel Jones increases in confidence, then yeah, I think they may start to get a little more aggressive and put some more things on his plate. Ideally, they find some sort of help and some sort of return from their wide receiver stock, but it is a pretty, pretty suspect room there. Um, So that does perhaps put a ceiling on what you're going to see um, from the passing game. But as you mentioned, they keep finding a way to win. Yeah. This is a team that is well, increasingly well-coached, has a strong mentality, knows who they are, believes in who they are, believes in the people on the sideline, and that does make a difference. These sound like cliches and you know, um, very intangible things we throw around here, but if you've watched the New York Giants play over recent seasons and then compare to the belief and the execution in key games in, in one-score scenarios, you can't help but think, wow, that's really making a difference under this new regime. We're seeing defensive players step up late in the game. Kayvon Thibodeau deserves a big shout-out um, for coming up with his first career sack and in a huge moment there. And look, it was Daniel Jones on the for one team and Lamar Jackson on the center for the other. And Lamar Jackson and his offensive line are the ones that had the errors. They're the ones that we coughed up a fumble, made a bad snap, but Lamar had to turn around, pick up, pirouette back around and make an ill-advised throw that got um, intercepted there. That's them blinking. The Giants didn't, and they deserve credit for it. And the other New York team, Laurie, speaking with Laurie Haresh, of course, from ESPN, the New York Jets, they're off to their best six-game start in about seven years. Brees Hall running for 116 yards. They absolutely hammered the Green Bay Packers in the end, 27-10. to 10. Do you think they can maintain their form as well? This is a fun, talented Jets team, the young Jets. Defense and special teams really laying the foundation of this victory today. They made Aaron Rodgers incredibly uncomfortable. And this is something that if you're a Green Bay fan or you're watching Green Bay play, because they don't have these wide receiver weapons or a tight end weapon that's going to create instant explosion or win matchups comfortably or win quickly in routes and present easy opportunities, Aaron Rodgers kind of needs to you know, do his thing and be surgical and clinical and dissect things from back there. That takes time and that takes patience and clean vision. And the Giant, the, the, sorry, the Jets' defensive front, led by like Quinn and Williams, did a fantastic job disrupting and disturbing that pocket and making sure that that environment wasn't there for Aaron Rodgers. Then you talk about the defense of some of these young guys coming on, and the name that's going to get a lot of headlines here is Sauce Gardner, outstandingly talented rookie cornerback, picked very high up inside the top five uh, in the NFL draft this year. And uh, his ability to shut down, he's got incredible length. Um, and then to, he, the, the play is sensational. Then the attitude that he brings, going and grabbing a cheese head hat um, <laughs> and, and putting that on at Lambeau Field and stirring up uh, the local fans as well as Alan Lazard, who took, it didn't take too kindly to that. Um, he, uh, he, he walked up to the tunnel and knocked it off, uh, knocked the hat off, of course, Gardner's head. But 
that type of attitude, it, it plays very well in New York when it's supported by winning. And I mentioned defense and special teams. You said Brees Hall, phenomenal young running back. The offensive line is really starting to, to find some chemistry after having to replace a few bits and pieces. They've invested, but still have you know some injuries and brought in a veteran in Dwayne Brown who's found his way back into the lineup. There's still steps to take, though, in that passing game. They keep protecting well, laying a strong base with that running game. And then Zach Wilson, hopefully we see signs of maturity and some consistent production. To, yeah, didn't have to do today. Completed 10 passes. That was all that was needed because of the dominant other two phases of the ball. But yeah, the young Jets are fun and there's upside to come too. Well, Laurie, really appreciate your time chatting all things NFL. Enjoy the upcoming week of action as well. Welcome back. Hope you're enjoying your Monday evening wherever you may be listening across this grand country of ours. Damian Watson here filling in for Sam Hargraves. Just recapping, Scotland have defeated the West Indies by 42 runs in their men's T20 World Cup encounter in the cricket. So the upsets continue in that tournament. There was a big upset in the English Premier League overnight as well. If you want to text in your thoughts on the EPL, 0433981116 as we traverse from the NFL in the US to the EPL in the UK. We do this, of course, course for 40 weeks get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you 40 weeks serious about sleep let's go to the uk now and chat to chris coles from the bbc thanks for your time chris good morning to you over there your time we got you there chris might have to try again chris have we got you we got you yeah we got you now loud and clear great great uh, that's fantastic to hear. I suppose you wouldn't be feeling as great as a Liverpool supporter or indeed potentially an Arsenal supporter as well after Liverpool pulled off an upset over Man City. Did you see that coming? I suppose when you have two heavyweights together, it's not overly surprising altogether. No, it's not, but you're right. The reason it, it's seen as a big surprise simply because of Manchester City's form going into the game and Liverpool's form going into the game. These two have been the two juggernauts in the Premier League for the last well, four or five years, there was a memorable season where Manchester City only won the Premier League title by eclipsing 100 points. Any other year, Liverpool would be would be champions. Liverpool then eventually did win the Premier League for the first time in a long time, a couple of years back. But it's been these two, the two big teams of the Premier League in recent times. It's why this year there's been great surprise around Liverpool's start to the season. They haven't been great. Lots of people pointing to reasons why. Maybe losing Sadio Mane to Bayern Munich. Maybe the new signings brought in to replace him haven't quite clicked. Mo Salah has his form maybe dipped. All is happening while Manchester City have looked good, but not brilliant because they're not top of the league. The big winner is really Arsenal, who now have that four-point advantage. They beat Leeds. Manchester City losing against Liverpool. It was a great game. The second half in particular really came to life. And Mo Salah, I think, reminding us all that he's going nowhere. He's been much maligned this season. But he was excellent yesterday. He got a good goal. Lovely little turn to shrug off João Cancelo. Lovely finish. He had everything he wanted from a, a game that's always a vociferous atmosphere. It was 100 miles an hour. There were good chances. There was... Some scenes we perhaps don't want to see on the touchline. Jurgen Klopp got himself sent off the yelling yeah. assistant referee. But um, but all in all, it was a game that I think just reminded us that Manchester City uh, do have their weaknesses. And if you're an Arsenal, dare I say it, Damien, you're a Tottenham. If you're a Chelsea, <laughs> you're looking and thinking, OK, well, maybe this is the year that we can push Manchester City. 
That's right. And you mentioned before, Sally, he's probably almost become a bit of a forgotten name somewhat. You don't necessarily forget a name like Sally, but the fact that Erling Haaland has been absolutely instrumental and probably transcended the English Premier League season as a whole, Harry Kane continuing his good form as well, maybe he has flown under the radar a little bit. Do you get the sense, which is hard to say about a Liverpool player? Yeah, I think your first point is is absolutely right, Damien. I think when you have someone like Erling Haaland that has come and really blown us all away, which is which is testament to him because we knew how good he was. His numbers at Borussia Dortmund for someone so young are just absolutely phenomenal. So coming to a team like Manchester City who create chances for fun, maybe we shouldn't be surprised that he's scoring all of these goals, but it's the manner of, of which he scored those goals. He, he does it in such classy nonchalance. It, it, it doesn't seem like anything is too hard for him. He... he positions himself in the penalty area and just finishes and finishes and finishes. And because City creates so many chances, if you're a City fan, it's an absolute joy to watch. And you're looking at him thinking, well, where's the weakness in this Manchester City team? So I think because he's been so brilliant and because Arsenal have have really hit the ground running too, and we're all talking about the likes of Gabriel Jesus, who's been excellent, about Gabriel Martinez and Bakayo Saka and Martin Odegaard, and because Liverpool have not been so good, yeah, I think we're all thinking, well, hang on a minute, where's Mo Salah? Look at his numbers. They're down on where they normally are. They're down on Erling Haaland, but I think anyone's numbers would be down on Erling Haaland. So I think it was a timely reminder. And as you say, the world-class players and elite world-class players like Salah undoubtedly is, yeah, they, 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 don't, they don't fly under the radar for long. And in a big game, when Liverpool needed him the most, he, he provided. And Liverpool will hope now this is... Absolutely, the cats they need to to put a run together to, to climb up that table. Because even though they won last night, you know they're still a mammoth fourteen points behind Arsenal. Albeit Liverpool have a game in hand, so it'll be a really interesting week. There, there are midweek fixtures ahead here in the UK, so I think we're, we're going to be in this really interesting position up until the World Cup when we stop. And Liverpool will certainly hope that once we stop the World Cup, they'll be they'll be challenging once again at the top end of the table. And it'll be a test of fitness and durability as well. We've had the Queen's passing, which has affected the fixturing the World Cup, as you mentioned. Mm. It's going to be just a constant suite of games, isn't it? There's no doubt about that. We're speaking with Chris Coles, direct from the UK, anonymous off the temper text machine. Go the Reds. We shall never walk alone. Feel free to keep those text messages coming. 0433-981116. Just going back to the weekend, I want to talk to you about Ivan Tony. He scored Brentford's two goals in their win over Brighton. Mm. Unfortunately, he was sent racist messages on social media after the game. But going back to his performances, do you think he can establish himself in the England lineup for the World Cup? Because he has eight goals for the season, which isn't far from Harry Kane territory at the end of the day. This is a, yeah, a big debate going into the World Cup in England, no question. And and normally at, at this point with the World Cup, what are we... My, my timing was all over the shop because obviously we've never had a winter World Cup. So I'm, <laughs> I, I, I normally know sort of by heart when the World Cup begins. But what is it? We're in October, so it's a month, month and a bit away it starts. The, 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 the confirmed squads will be, will be yeah, around about a month away. And for England, there are a couple of issues to concern themselves with. Right back is an issue now with Rhys James' injury. But up front, yeah, Ivan Tony is not only scoring goals, it's his penalty taking that I think a lot of people have, have, are taking notice of because he's never missed a penalty for Brentford, which is quite astonishing. His, his penalty record is, is unbelievably good. And 
he scored another penalty in that 2-0 win over Brighton. He's got a very good style where he, he very slowly runs up to the ball. Yeah, it's quite vogue now where he waits for the goalkeeper to move and then just passes it into the back of the net. And he does it with such a plum. It's great, it's great to watch. But his numbers, as you say, across 2022, so we're talking the calendar year, not just this season, but across the calendar year, he's scored only Kane and Son. Tottenham's Kane and Son have scored more Premier League goals than Ivan Tony. Kane's a shoe-in to go with England, and we know the quality of, of Son. Uh, 21 for Kane, 18 for Son, and 15 for Tony. And he's doing this for a, bright, a Brentford side that aren't a household name in the Premier League. They're not winning every every week. They're not scoring plenty of goals. He's got all the, the, the technicality and the attributes to be a very, very good player, I think, for England. Because he's a bit different to what England have. And often in a World Cup, Players that are different can be valuable for you if you need a goal, if you need something. If 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 Kane gets, you know, God forbid, Kane gets injured for England. If maybe you need something a bit different, then Ivan Tony very much provides that. He is very physical, not that Kane isn't. But he's very very quick. Ivan Tony. He's got great movement about him, and undoubtedly he can finish. So it's a big question for Gareth Southgate: Can Ivan Tony force his way into the England team? He was part of the England side for the games, the recent games they played in the international break, although he didn't actually get onto the pitch. And I just wonder whether that might mean his boat is missed. But only uh, Tony, all he can do, keep on scoring. Mm. And if he does so, then I just wonder whether Gareth Southgate might think, OK, bit of a wild card. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw him in here because, you know, what have I got to lose? Well, you mentioned Harry Kane, Chris. He fired home a penalty to open Tottenham's account against Everton. They eventually defeated them 2-0. How do you rate the Spurs' chances realistically against the likes of Arsenal and Man City title-wise? Because they continue to rack up the points at home. Questionable, obviously, away from home still in my eyes as to whether they can be consistent. But given they missed out in 2016, which was probably their greatest chance in their window, can they realistically challenge Arsenal and Man City for the title going forward? Yeah, that 2016, that will, I think that still hurts, doesn't it? Leicester City yes, it title year. And yeah, I'm sorry, we won't mention it. We'll gloss over it and <laughs> won't mention it. Um, yeah, Damon, you're right. It, it's, it, it, it's really interesting with Spurs because they, you, you look at their position in the table and you think, well, absolutely, they're level on points with, with Manchester City. They're four behind Arsenal. And they seem to be doing it without playing to their full capability, it always seems, with Spurs. And the times I've seen them this season, and I, I watched all the game against Everton, they were in control. There's no question they were in control. But they, they weren't what you'd call absolutely comfortable 2-0 winners against Everton. Everton had their chances. They came with a game plan to frustrate Spurs, to, to sit behind the ball. And Everton would hit, hit them on the counter-attack. They had a couple of really good opportunities that had Damari Gray being slightly more accurate. I think Anana had a, a decent chance. There were opportunities for Everton, but Tottenham win the game 2-0. They, they get the penalty and, and Kane on penalties. I know, listen, we talk about Tony on penalties. Kane is is, is almost a dead third every time. I know he missed one recently, but he, he's very, very good. And then, and then Pierre-Emerick Hoiberg wraps it up late on. And you're thinking, OK, that's quite comfortable. So you either think that it's a good thing for Spurs, that the fact they're third in the table and you feel there's more potential there. You feel that there's more for Antonio Conte's side to give. Um, Richarlison injured at the moment, and that's a concern because he's clearly a big player. Uh, Kulisevsky's been out for the last couple of weeks. He's been excellent, the signing from Juventus. Bentan Kuri midfield has provided some excellent solidity. Uh, Perisic is, is, is still a very, very good player. Maybe he doesn't have the numbers we all thought, but still is excellent in a five at the back, which 
which Antonio Conte likes to play. And also he's pointed at some of his players that are performing brilliantly at the moment that maybe don't get the recognition. Eric Dyer, in particular at the back in his performances have earned him a place back in the England side. So he looks like he could be going to the World Cup. So you, you look at you look at the Spurs team and think there's no reason why they can't at least push on from their, their fourth place finish last season, their Champions League qualifying qualifying winning position last season. Can they challenge for the top? I think you'd still put them behind the likes of Manchester City. Dare I say, even Liverpool, if they, if they can turn their form around. Arsenal, the unknown. It'll be really interesting to see if they can keep it going. Your, your hunch from history tells you that, no, there's a point where every team, including Manchester City, just wobble a little bit. And when Arsenal's wobble come, if Tottenham can still be there or thereabouts, the gap is, is four points at the moment, which is easily, which is easily chased when the games are so are so quick. I know Spurs will probably rue that, that North London derby defeat when Arsenal won 3-1, but I think there's no reason why they can't at least put pressure on. And, and finally on Tottenham, I think to give them hope is that it, it, it's Arsenal they're chasing. If it was Manchester City that were four points clear, if it was Liverpool of last year that were four points clear, maybe you think, OK, maybe it's tough. But if they can look and see, well, there's a rival there that has been with us pretty much week in, uh, year in, year out. We beat them last season in the league. There's no reason why we can't go and catch them. So fascinating to see how Spurs go this side of the World Cup and then how they react after the World Cup. Talking all things English Premier League here with Chris Coles, direct from the UK. If you want to text him via the temper text machine, 0433981116. What a difference a week makes with Man U because Cristiano Ronaldo didn't quite reach the heights of the record-breaking goal-scoring. Man United, of course, with a dispirited nil-all draw against Newcastle and Cristiano Ronaldo received a yellow card as well and he was substituted in the 71st minute. So it was probably a day to forget for him and his team. Mm, yeah, and his look, I think, told you everything when he got replaced. And listen, it's, <laughs> it's, it's Cristiano Ronaldo. We know the numbers. We know the the gravitas. We know his class and his numbers and all the rest of it. But it just doesn't feel, it doesn't feel quite right at the moment with Ronaldo and Manchester United. We know the history. He was He was fantastic for them in his first spell then went on with all the numbers with Real Madrid and Juventus. And his, his return was greeted with fanfare. This was to be a, a glorious renaissance for Ronaldo. He, he could fire Manchester United to, to where they, they want to be, which is towards the top end of the table after a couple of miserable years. His numbers his first year were, were very good. He was United's top scorer, despite Manchester United not the season they wanted. This season, under Eric Ten Hag, he had injuries at the start of the season, but now he's back. Yeah, it just doesn't feel quite right and I think Ronaldo's look really and not just for the first not for the first time this season either <laughs> when he's not started games or when he's come off he's been replaced he just it just doesn't look quite right and that's that's a problem for Manchester United it's a problem for Eric Ten Hag because we know Ronaldo's quality and yes he might be anonymous for 65 minutes but then he could score you three goals in five minutes and win you the game quite easily but we also know that Ten Hag likes this very aggressive very pressing style and that's just not Cristiano Ronaldo. That's just not the way he plays. And when Ronaldo doesn't score, you often look and think, mm, OK, in the great Messi-Ronaldo debate, it's always Messi's assists, I think, that in some people's eyes takes him above Ronaldo. The goal tally is very similar, but Messi's assists unbelievably good. Ronaldo's nowhere near. And you just wonder, when it comes to a, a, an 11 aside game, when you're Eric Ten Hag and you need 11 players that are all pushing in the same direction, is Cristiano Ronaldo that person that you really want when 
you want your entire team to be working hard and pressing. So it's interesting. And when Ronaldo's goals don't come, then I can absolutely see why if you're 10 hard, you think, OK, let, let's try something different. When you don't win the game, when you draw nil-nil, again, let's, let's have it straight, a good Newcastle side. This is a Newcastle side with, with fresh investment, with an Eddie Howe in charge, a manager who is, is winning lots of plaudits in the game for the way he's managing this Newcastle side. I think we're all interested to see how they push on, not just this season, but in future seasons when perhaps the money keeps coming. And for Manchester United, yeah, again, a bit, a bit like Spurs, really. You look at their results and think, well, OK, they're doing all right. All right, they, they scraped past the Super Champions, Nicosia, in the Europa League. They beat Everton 2-1. Uh, they got a late winner against Nicosia again in the return fixture in the Europa League. They won that game. They're winning games without being the Manchester United of old. And then you throw in the, the 6-3 defeat to City a few weeks ago, and that really does stand out. They lost 4-0 to Brentford very early on. And yet you feel that all is not quite right on Old Trafford. What needs to happen for it to be solved is a big debate. Is it Ronaldo leaving the club, which we all thought he would do in the summer? Is it more money thrown at it in January? Who knows? But yeah, it, it, it's, it's not quite there. And I tell you what, and I'm sure you've already circled it in the diary, Damien, um, but an interesting game coming up Wednesday night, our time, which will what be Thursday morning, your time, Manchester yeah. United, Tottenham Hotspur, Old Trafford. Uh, that'll be really interesting. I'll definitely be watching. Just as I let you go, Chris, just to change tact, is the Rugby League World Cup getting a lot of coverage over there in the UK? Obviously, England hosting the event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It is getting plenty of plenty of coverage here. The first, uh, first game to bring the absolutely... Absolutely tore through Samoa at St James's Park uh, on uh, on Saturday. Yeah, it's, it's getting plenty of plenty of love here. Any any major event is is always well covered in this country. The only thing I would say is that it, it, it is up against quite a few other big events. The T Twenty World Cup in particular um, is is one that, that, that it is obviously getting big coverage here in this country. Um, and then also the women's rugby league will. Rugby Union World Cup, which is yeah. which happened down your neck of the woods as well. So there's quite a few events to take to take uh, to take in. But yeah, absolutely, there, there is plenty of interest on in what England can do in the Rugby League World Cup. I think they are very much favourites. Obviously, we know that there are some there are some big sides that are that are very much here to play as well. But um, but yeah, any event that's on home soil is, is clearly going to, to pique a lot of people's interest. Well, I got thirteen thousand in the Australia v Fiji game. Given it was a neutral game, that was a pretty good attendance. I thought, uh, Chris, really appreciate your time, mate. Thanks for joining us. Pleasure as always, Damien, and speak again soon. Good stuff. Chris Coles joining us direct from the UK, talking all things English Premier League. We'll take a break. Brett Phillips will join us after this, ahead of another edition of The First Serve. Feel free to text it as well. 0433 98 11 16 off the temper text machine. Welcome back. Hope you're enjoying the program. Damien Watson here filling in on this Monday evening. The first serve coming up with Brett Phillips after this. BP joins me in the studio, but we'll change tack just a little bit, BP, before we get to the first serve. Obviously, we've spoken in depth about the departure of Anthony Hudson from SEN after, I think it's been 18 years. He's been here since virtually the start. You've been here for a long time as well. What sort of impact has Hutto had, not only on the station, but your good self? Good to see you, Damo. Uh, Sending magnificent on the airways. Well, if it wasn't for Anthony Hudson, I wouldn't have a job at uh, SCN. Right. That's as uh, simple as that. So I was quite shocked to read uh, that news uh, today. I was in a a conference and it popped up in my feed. Yeah, I was over at uh, at Triple M at the time. A young guy who had done work experience with me uh, when I worked at another station down the highway in Geelong, uh, going back over 20 years ago, was going for a job at SEN. I was the referee. Hutto rang me up and said, uh, tell us about the young man. By the way, are you looking for any more work? And I said, well, you know, I'm down the freelance track. And 
had me to look at offers and he said, mate, we're desperate. Uh, we need an overnight host on the weekends. And at that stage, Hutto had stepped into the program director's yes. chair for a period when SEM was in transition after about 18 months after the first management uh, went by the wayside. And I said... What? He did well to steer the ship, didn't he? He did very well. I said, what, midnight was it midnight till 6? So Saturday, Sunday. Whew, let me think about that for a moment. Anyway, <laughs> within two days, I said, yes, let's uh, have a crack at Talkback Radio. Uh, grabbed um, a fellow that you know well, uh, the great Spider Lee. Yes. Uh, Matty and I went to work overnight and... It was an eye-opener, but I loved it. I'm very fond of the overnight days, yeah. and, and you've worked it, uh, the, the people that are out listening to this radio station. So Hutto gave me the opportunity to get into SCN, and that was, what, July 2005. That's right, and I think from memory, you called a game together on TV as well in the pre-season game back five or six years. So I had, yeah, a fleeting stint doing some uh, Fox footy, and I did call with Hutto and called a Friday night game here on uh, SCN, and look, yeah, I don't... No one needs uh, me to um, you know, pump up his tyres, how good a caller he's been. But, um, yeah, terrific to sit alongside. You know, we, I think Hutto's a little bit older than I, but we've been sort of in that the industry and you go on your own little uh, journey, but absolute respect and, you know, he's done some incredible things. But, yeah, to get this station underway was a huge task uh, back in early 2004 when uh, SEN launched and uh, before we even got the AFL rights, yes. there was that period of, what, two or three years, might have been more, where you've got to fill 24-7 programming uh, across uh, the week. And, no, nah, he was brilliant, full respect, and, yeah, here we are, 18 years later. Amazing, isn't it? A great caller and a great contributor to SEN over the journey. Now, the first serve coming up next, BP. What have we got in store? Well, this is a great story in tennis. His name is Lee Too. We're uh, going to get him on the line from South Korea in just a couple of moments. So he had no ranking 14 months ago. He sits at 190 in the world. He's won his biggest event last night, Damo. And uh, just watch out for this man. He's going to continue going north. So uh, Olivia Kadecki and Adam Walton. So three good young Aussies to join us in the next hour. Fantastic. We look forward to that. The first serve coming up next with Brett Phillips. Hope you enjoyed the sporting capital on this Monday night. Plenty of sporting action up next on SEM. Stuff for your face and body? It's men's skincare with a purpose. Top quality Aussie-made grooming and skincare to help guys look and feel great with no hassles. Plus, Stuff is helping mental health too. Find Stuff at Woolworths or visit websiteofstuff.com.